0: Welcome to Critical Value, the podcast from the Urban Institute that explores issues of significance for research, policy, and people. I'm your host, Justin Milner. We're getting close to the end of 2018, and can you hear it? No, that's not champagne bottles, at least not yet. It's the sound of people scrambling to get their year-end donations in. Yep, if you're anything like me, you have the entire year to think about donations, but in the end, you do the bulk of your giving at the very last minute on December 31st. Welcome back. Well, tis the
1: season of giving. A lot of us feeling the kind spirit and donating to charities this time of year. The holiday season always sees a spike in giving, not just to family and friends, but to causes and charities as well.
2: What we raise during this quarter really sustains many of our programs throughout the entire year. After school programs and daycare centers and senior centers.
0: Year-end giving is a big deal to nonprofits around the country. Americans give hundreds of billions of dollars per year to the causes and organizations that they really care about. But things are changing these days in what giving looks like. Technology and social media in particular are making giving easier than ever. For this episode, I sat down with Sheena Ashley and Bryce McKeever, both researchers at Urban Center for Nonprofits and Philanthropy. We talked about year-end giving and how the landscape is changing. Bryce started by offering a definition for giving. We're talking about people, but also
1: foundations, as well as other businesses, opening up their wallets to give back to the nonprofit community, to use some of their hard-earned income, To give back to the causes that they support. People give for all sorts of reasons, but giving to fill in gaps that they see in what the community is able to support, giving to support either local causes such as local food shelters, food banks, hospitals, nonprofits, others that are providing services within the community, as well as at a national or even international level, giving aid to some of the recent natural disasters that have hit both our country as well as others.
0: Bryce says that the end of the year is serious crunch time for the nonprofit sector when it comes to receiving donations. Year-end giving
1: is a critical time of giving for many nonprofits, that we know that a lot of the giving for any given organization, any given sector, occurs at the end of the year. We've seen that giving occurs not only at the end of the year, but on the last day of the year. So the only years that it has not happened on December 31st as the biggest giving day of the year are when the 31st is on a Saturday. In those years, it's the 30th.
0: Overall, there's usually about 40 to 50% more giving in December than any other months of the year. Sheena Ashley had some thoughts on why we do the bulk of our giving in December.
2: We've sort of been programmed culturally around giving happening toward the end of the year. And there's been some interesting research around this. So- Some folks believe that it's because that's when the push is there, right? We get nudges. There's a deadline about December 31st. And the heavy marketing of the charitable sector is saying, donate now, give now, reminding us of that deadline. There's some other research that has said that there's actually a seasonal, it's broader than giving. It's not just a giving behavior or giving culture. It's connected to the broader culture of what we have around holidays, And it's it's in our movies. I mean, it's a wonderful life. You know, you have all this sense that like this is what you do for the holidays and you give and it's part of charity and then tax law embedded on top of that. And then charitable solicitations on top of that sort of forces us to drive toward that behavior.
0: So a lot of us are procrastinators. That part is clear. But one interesting question is how generous are Americans In 2017, Americans contributed about $410 billion to U.S. charities. That's a solid sum of cash, amounting to about 2% of our national GDP. But what's interesting is that number hasn't moved much in decades.
1: So actually, that's remarkably steady over time. And when I say remarkably steady, I mean that when we go back 40 years to the 1970s, we have not seen it dip below around 1.5% or above 3%. It has been rock solid. At 2.1%, I believe Giving USA, which is one of the leading sources of indicators on this topic, said that it has been 2.1% in five of the last six
0: years. So we keep giving about the same share of what we produce year after year, but how about what we're giving to? As it turns out, the majority of our giving goes to education, especially institutions of higher education. And most of our giving is concentrated among a few groups.
2: One of the issues around the nonprofit sector is, is somewhere about 5% of nonprofits receive almost 90% of all nonprofit revenue that goes to them. So mm-hmm. there's this huge concentration issue that's hard to break in the nonprofit sector. I think a lot of the thing that drives charitable giving is just the point of being asked. And the people who get to do that asking and the organizations that have the resources to mm-hmm. get in front of you, to say we need your support and the causes that have the privilege of doing that are the larger ones. There's still a lot of brand recognition issues in the sector that drive where charitable giving goes.
0: So it can seem that our charitable giving, the amount we give, the places we give it, is pretty set in stone. But that's not the whole story. There's some changes on the horizon. First, research shows that the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act passed about a year ago will impact the number of taxpayers who will claim charitable deductions. The
2: ability to receive the charitable deduction is dependent on itemizing.
0: Really quick explanation here. Itemizing means listing each tax deduction you qualify for. So people itemize when the sum of all their deductions is greater than the standard deduction, which is a flat amount that applies to all taxpayers.
2: And so when the standard deduction was pretty much doubled under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. It's going to move a lot of people who would normally be itemizers away from itemizers and taking the standard deduction, which then will take those people out of eligibility for deducting their charitable contributions. So we're going to, under TCJA, lose a lot more people who would have taken that itemizing. And our tax policy center estimates that that will have an effect on charitable giving. That We will probably lose about 5%. Mm -hmm of charitable giving, which sounds small, but that's about $15 billion Mm -hmm. in charitable giving that should be impacted by that.
0: But there are some opportunities there as well. Sheena thinks that this change in tax law has opened up a larger conversation about how best to encourage giving.
2: This is a bit of an issue anyway outside of this before TCJA um, came on board and that only a third of Americans were itemizing anyway. And the the people who are itemizing are largely those who make over $100,000 a year. Right. And so it hasn't been a charitable benefit that's open to all Americans anyway, even though every charity tells you your charitable Mm -hmm. contribution is tax deductible. That is true. (laughs) Although they don't tell you, you actually cannot claim that deduction unless you itemize. And for most Americans, it doesn't make sense to itemize. But I think the larger thing that it opened up, which I'm happy to see, is this broader conversation about whether or not that's the best way to incentivize charitable giving. Right. It's really been a mode of incentivizing charitable giving for those who
0: are well off and not for all Americans. When we think about incentivizing all Americans to give, it's important to note that how we give is changing in a pretty big way. Over the last couple of decades, online giving has become a powerful revenue generator for the nonprofit sector.
1: Yes, online giving in the wake of 9-11 signaled the shift to online giving as a form of donation vehicle. So I think this is really related to the fact that the internet was expanding around that time, right? That that was when the internet use and computer use, as well as computers in the home, became much more pervasive. Giving in general has increased in the last few years. So I believe the most recent statistics I saw were that giving in general increased 4% from 2016 to 2017. However, online giving grew 12% during that same span. So both forms of giving are increasing, but online giving is taking an ever larger part of that pie.
0: And what's more, Bryce and Sheena say the rise of social media has made online giving easier than ever. Yes. So social media actually has been
1: really helpful to a lot of nonprofit organizations because a lot of these social media platforms, you don't have to create something from scratch. You don't have to create a whole new website. You don't have to pay an entire tech and data team. You can just use the Facebook account that you're already used to using in your free time or your Instagram account or your Twitter account and just set up a new account for that organization and reach out that way. It's these methods. You don't have to build a new platform and hope for an audience. You can just make a new message where people already are.
2: So now that we have one-click philanthropy, sort of the way you buy something on Amazon, you can just do one-click philanthropy now on Facebook. And the good thing about it is they're not taking fees on it. So it's also not becoming this barrier where you say, I want to use this platform to give. It's made easier. But what portion of this is really going to go to the charity and what portion is making business for this institution that's building the platform? I think some of the larger platforms have now can operate at such economies of scale that they've made that
0: a no fee transaction. So social media makes it super simple for us to give online, but what it's also doing is changing the way we approach giving. Instead of all of us independently making donations at the end of the year, we're giving our resources in a way that's more connected to each other.
2: Before, the idea that you'd have in your mind of making your charitable contributions would be sitting down. Typically, you'd have this image of a guy sitting at the table with his checkbook, writing his checks, and giving at the end of the year to all of his particular charities of choice. Now, that's a very different thing, right? You have people saying, it's my birthday, and instead of giving me some more junk, donate to this organization. Or you have people challenging their friends or saying and doing Instagram things of saying, I just gave to this organization, support what I do and give. So it's become a lot more social, and the platforms and technologies help that definitely
0: One of the key ways we see how social media has impacted giving is through the rise of so-called Giving Days. You've probably heard of these, right? These are the efforts to engage and activate communities to join together in giving support on a single day. And they're becoming a big driving force for nonprofits. Giving Days
1: referring to The recent philanthropic events, more of a new manifestation of the old pledge drive or giving drive, right, where it's a one-day isolated event, but it's largely being played by these local community foundations that are taking a large role in their community to raise money locally. And there's been a large social media outreach that a lot of people, when we talk about online giving, the impact of social media on these types of giving events has been huge, that this partnership of nonprofits being able to reach out through different forms of Facebook, Twitter, other ways of reaching out to their constituents to get the word out there. We see one of the big linchpins of the giving community is Giving Tuesday, which just recently passed this first Tuesday after Thanksgiving every year. And in 2010, the first year of Giving Tuesday raised about $10 million, a little Mm. over $10 million. The most recent estimates that I have seen for Giving Tuesday this year have Giving Tuesday pulling in over $380 million. That's a
0: big shift in how much and when we're giving. But why is this shift so important? Sheena says that efforts like these are democratizing giving and that it's important for people at every level of the income spectrum to give towards issues and ideas that matter to them.
2: This is the money that really helps people get those great ideas out there, the innovations that happen, the the new solutions that come in by people of color or people who are new to communities. This is the capital that they get to access in order to drive change in their community. And so I think it's really important that even that $100, $1,000 gift is something that drives that kind of change. And so who knows, you or I may be the next Bill Gates who can give a billion dollars, but it'd be nice if we learn to give at our $20 level now so that when we do have the means to give more, we also give more at that stage. And so you're building, it's not just that it's the income that they're relying on, but you're building that culture of giving. And it's also a generational culture of giving that we want to be able to pass down to our kids and all. And so if people step out of that, that also has generational effects that will impact the ability for this kind of change capital to uh-huh. be available
0: in, in communities and, and drive social change. This idea of a culture of giving is really compelling. So what are some different ways to build a culture of giving where everyone is encouraged to think about giving in their day-to-day lives? One idea is coming directly from the nonprofit and for-profit sectors, and it's pretty simple. All you have to do is round up.
1: One thing we've seen in recent years is what we are referring to as round up philanthropy, where you're giving that little fraction of the rest of your dollar bill when you make a charitable purchase to the organization. If you think about every person rounding up just a fraction of a dollar every time they make a contribution, for example, at the grocery store, donating the rest of their dollar to a local community foundation, that can add up immensely when you think of all the people that are going through that checkout line every day.
0: And policymakers are starting to think about this too. Sheena called out two ways Congress is considering how to encourage a culture of giving.
2: Right now, there are uh, two different proposals in Congress relating to this idea of giving by all. One is calling itself the Everyday Philanthropist Act, which is also in the spirit of making sure that we increase and keep incentivizing giving by by all, right? And so in this Everyday Philanthropist Act, there are these giving accounts where just like these sort of workplace giving accounts where you have your health account or your childcare account at your workplace, you could as a pre-tax level provide funds into this account that you could distribute again out by December 31st, just like we have to spend our healthcare account. But in this way, you'd actually receive the tax benefit up front rather than having to remember that you made this contribution by the time April comes. So a lot of people like this because it sort of really connects the gift to the benefit that you're getting, the public benefit that you're getting, and it's making it accessible to people who itemize or don't itemize. And so it has some real value there. There's a a benefit to the employer as well because you're reducing payroll tax to the employers. The other one is a universal charitable deduction, which the sector has been advocating for a long time, which basically takes the deduction that we have now and just makes it universally open to, to everyone, rather regardless if you itemize or not. So it'll be some portion of the standard deduction that you could claim on top of that for your charitable contribution.
0: Sheena says that creating a culture of giving helps donors become educated and invested in the causes they believe in most strongly. And that can have a dramatic impact, both in how we view ourselves and how we participate in our communities.
2: So there's also this issue of having donors become more informed and engaged in the cause. So even though this is the capital that could fuel social change, there's a bit of a disconnect, I think, between the gift and then people actually feeling like they're part of the change that's happening with that gift. And it's a little bit of a, a privilege that philanthropists get to have mm-hmm. when, you know, you take in these grant applications and you can review them and you're getting to make such an informed choice mm-hmm. about what you're going to do. My dream is that that could happen to the everyday mm-hmm. giver, that somebody who cares about homelessness could say, I understand the landscape of homeless services provision in this city. I am informed on their activities and budgets, and I can decide, not out of guilt, but out of some sense of here's how this donation is going to drive change. I can decide to deploy my capital in that way.
0: In many ways, it's about the social contract. It's about investing in community in our society writ large. And we're
2: starting to see that among some organizations who are leading movements and to say, don't give me your end of the year handout. Be with us throughout the year. You know, be a partner in our social change. Don't step into this work when you want to feel good about yourself and then step out because you've done your thing and don't look back for the whole year. We have as part of our traditions this sense that of those who are givers and those who are receivers And part of this sort of giving by all is trying to change that to say, we're all givers. We all have something to give. It's not about charity.
0: This is about us contributing to all of our communities and our social change. As usual, we'll close with some key takeaways. Here are three things you need to know. One... Most of our charitable giving to the nonprofit sector happens at the end of the year, and most of the giving we do is concentrated among a few organizations, but the landscape of when and how we give is starting to change. Two, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is projected to decrease the number of taxpayers who will claim a charitable deduction, and that's expected to decrease charitable giving, but it's also opened up a larger conversation about how best to incentivize giving for people at all income levels. And three, the rise of online giving and giving through social media, along with new efforts and policies that help us approach giving differently, can create a culture of giving. A culture of giving educates and engages everyone around the issues they're most passionate about. So that's our show. Thanks again to Sheena Ashley and Bryce McKeever. You can find out more about their work in the show notes on our webpage, www.urban.org criticalvalue And thanks to you, listener rocking the headphones on your way to work or cleaning up the kitchen or driving someone to soccer practice. It's crazy, but we've dropped like 24, 24, 24 episodes this year and our very lean, not so mean team appreciates you taking the time to listen. So if you're just joining, go back and hit the archives. Everything is available for the amazing price of absolutely free. If you like the show, please tell your friends or grab their cell phones when they're not looking and hit the subscribe button for the show. We love getting connected to other smart, policy-minded folks out there, whether they know it or not. And we'd love if you could take a few seconds to rate the podcast on iTunes too. Thanks to our producer, Katie Smith, and our sound editor, Riley Byrne, from podigy.co. That's P-O-D-I-G-Y dot C-O. Our theme music is by Moby. For everyone on the Critical Value team, this is Justin Milner. Signing off.